Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Right, we're at it. Let's do this. This is Anime World Order. We were late, but we're always late. I blame the internet and video games and all that good stuff. This is episode 105 of the Anime World Order podcast. I am Gerald Rathgold, and with me... Daryl Surratt. And Clarissa. Okay, we're not going to waste any time. Check out the website, www.animeworldorder.com. Email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com. And as usual, we're going to uh, do some reviews. Well, a review. I know if I don't mention it now, I'm never going to. But I'm going to be taking a look at Trigun Badlands Rumble, a movie, possibly the best anime movie of 2003. Maybe. But wait, but, uh, it was made. Wait, 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 wait. yes. In not wait, 2003. Indeed. indeed. But yes, we have also got emails. People do email us once in a while. And this one is by... Pojohin? Something like that? Pojohin writes, Greetings and salutations, AWO. My question is this. Gerald had a beginner's guide to mecha anime panel last year, at some convention if memory serves. I've been thinking of doing something along those lines too this summer at a local anime convention, because I'd really like to tell people about those wonderful shows they'd miss just because it had a robot in it or came out before 2005. Granted, I haven't seen that many mecha shows myself, especially pre-Gundam shows, but I think I've seen enough to tell people where to begin and why. I'd like Gerald to teach me some of his secrets and how he approached the subject at his panel and generally what I should be talking about and how. Of course, if you other guys have any pointers, I'd like to know those too. I'm not a total newbie to this panel doing business. I was co-hosting one panel last year at an anime con and have been doing some panels in general because of my studies. Thanks for any and all the potential tips and tricks in advance, and may the Schwartz be with you. Wow, Spaceballs um, references. I can get behind that. Uh, it's probably... I don't know how well that movie holds up, but yeah, I can get behind it. Holds it holds up superbly. <laughs> it holds up better than Phantom Menace No, does. when I say I don't know how well it holds up, it means I haven't watched it in forever. All I can remember is, man, we ain't found shit. <laughs> Still one of my favorite Mel Brooks ones. If I had to give advice, if panels worked the way that they should work on paper, yes, you would have enough knowledge to do a beginner's guide to mecha panel. When I say if they work the way they should on paper, it would mean that the people who would show up for a beginner's guide to mecha panel would be people who were beginners to mecha. However, yes, that is not the way that mecha panels work in particular. If you do a beginner's guide to Mecca, the only people who will show up are people who would walk into a room of their own volition when they know that there's Mecca in the room, which is to say crazy expert folks who, um, because you're dealing with a sci-fi background topic, are very eager to prove that they are smarter than the presenter. Yes, so be careful when you mention that, you know, you haven't watched a ton of mecha shows, especially pre-Gundam shows, I guarantee you that that audience has watched those pre-Gundam shows. And 
they will take you to task if you show any weakness, because there they can prove their kung fu is stronger. Right, by implicitly demonstrating that, oh, I'm in the audience and I know more than the supposed presenter, you know, there's a passive-aggressive nerd implication that they are better than you and that it should be them or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why that is with a lot of the sci-fi things in general. Maybe they're more trivia-based, perhaps? I think it's born out of the notion that a lot of traditional sci-fi things are discussion-oriented rather than presentation-oriented. Mm-hmm. That's some of it. I also I mean, think uh, there is, a, literally, I mean, when we make the joke about proving our kung fu is stronger, I think that literally is something that's a factor that people are always, when you go into either a, a nerd emporium or something like that, someone's trying to show who's uh, the alpha in the pack. Yeah, I've actually found an interesting way to get non-anime fans to come to a panel is to do a panel that's called sci-fi and anime or something along those lines. Because that audience do want to come in and say when you mention the dangerous word like hard sci-fi that you get that definition right or they will jump on you. I would say that if you really wanted to do like a beginner's guide to Mecca, you would have to kind of be creative in terms of title. If you called it beginner's guide to anime, then you could have a subsection or even a decent section that was about Mecca beginner's points and that would diminish the amount of people who smell blood in the water when they see the robot panel. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I guess that, I don't know, do you think it applies to, like, all sorts of things? Like, I don't know, Clarissa, like, if you did, like, a beginner's guide to Yoi, would you approach it, like, a similar way? Maybe. I mean, that's another one where, the thing is, any panel with Yoi in the title, like, probably you would get a lot of people who would show up who would be already knowledgeable about it. Right. So... Yeah, it's it's a little tricky. Like, you have some of the same problem. It's tough. Those panels, they almost don't belong at an anime convention. They almost belong at the local sci-fi convention, and they decided to slot in some weird anime thing and can be like a beginner's guide from there. Yeah, I just know that sci-fi-oriented topics tend to only draw the faithful if you do them at an anime convention, whether it's video games, tokusatsu, you know, mecha, all that stuff. You don't really get the people who are slightly curious and want to know more, unless you're at a particularly large convention. Then your yeah. chances are maybe you'll get like a 15% attendance rate of that figure. And so our general advice is if you don't know it very well, like back and forth, maybe find something that you do know about. I mean, certainly you know enough to do a panel at a place where, like Gerald said, where you aren't necessarily going to find the crazy anime people at and it's a good idea to like lay out your cards in the beginning um i did a panel with clarissa actually about mecha model building like gundam gunpla and things like that and it's a good idea i think to lay it out in the beginning talking about you know this is a beginner's panel so if you're a super hardcore fan you're not going to get much out of this also you will probably get upset because i'm going to simplify things for the newer audience and I find that that's a decent way to shut them down in the beginning. Even though it's never going to be 100% accurate. It's very much like no. if you go on the internet and you start a discussion and you say in the beginning and run right before comments, okay, we're not going to talk about this. Someone's going to comment and say, yeah, but what about this? Yeah. If you are unsure about your knowledge in mecha shows, make sure that you can at least pretend that you're the smartest mecha guy in the room. 
because there will be guys there trying to show you up. And if you are particularly unlucky, as Daryl and I got, or maybe particularly lucky, you will get maniacs breaking into your panel halfway through to scream Gundam quotes, exactly as you warned them that, that, that they might. That, that was quite a lot of fun. Good luck. I mean, I guess with the venue that you would be holding that panel at is kind of the most important thing. Like, if you're holding it at an anime con, or a sci-fi con, or a general nerd con, or whatever it might be, adjust it accordingly and go from there. I don't know, what do you guys think? About, about, about cover it? Yeah, I think uh, More so. or less. Okay. Do we have any other things we want to cover before we get to a review? Um, I suppose I can just quickly mention that uh, as far as guest appearances on other podcasts go, I did um, two. I can't remember. The One Piece podcast uh, did another fundraiser for Japan Relief because uh, hard as it may be to believe, it's been a year since uh, that really terrible tsunami hit Japan. Last year, they were quite successful at uh, raising uh, money for relief funds, and so they did it again this year and uh, did quite well, actually. I was uh, on there for about 30 minutes. I figured as a way to sort of drum up support and, you know, keep things going, because those guys were up for like 48 hours straight. Um, yeah, you guys are pretty awesome. That's uh, that's quite something. Yeah, I could certainly never do it. <laughs> what I ended up doing was I decided to humiliate myself for the sake of charity. I actually plugged in this webcam that I've got here, and uh, instead of recording um, from my computer, I, I went to my storage room uh, where I keep all my tapes and stuff, and uh, just sort of sat in a, a large pile of, of random DVDs and manga and, and pulled things from arm's reach. So uh, I, I don't know if that whole thing is going to go up. It did last time, but I don't know I if it'll the, go up I thought the, the video. computer got stolen. I can't remember. I, I think I the computer re- got stolen that it was on last time. That is a distinct possibility. But yeah, I don't know if the, the video stream will, will be up there. But anyway, yeah, you can uh, check that out at, I believe it's AnimeFansGiveBack.com. I'll put the link up in the show notes. On a totally different note, probably by the time this goes up, I'll have been a guest on the awesome cast again, the OSM cast, talking about a movie that about two people saw in the theater, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which uh, certainly lives up to the the awesome cast, uh, (laughs) if ever there was one. That's at OSMCAST.com. I think that's about it as far as the guest appearances go. I'll probably uh, be on some more between now and whenever. But hey, uh, video games, we've got weddings to attend and I got a birthday coming up. So I, I, if I'm alive still, you'll hear from us again sooner rather than later. Yeah, what's up with that? I, I know people that are getting married. What's, what's wrong? Adulthood? Yes. I don't know. <sighs> Crap like that. Okay. Time for a review, finally. I did a panel not too long ago about gateway anime. Types of shows that kind of served as people's entry point into anime fandom. Not necessarily like maybe the first thing that they watched, but perhaps maybe the first thing that they watched and then wanted to find out more about, and then from that point on they called themselves an anime fan. I almost Um, think that, like, even though I call it gateway anime for short... Because it's not something that everyone knows what that term means, I kind of think that 
maybe like the next time we do them, we should get like a name that's really obvious and then have gateway anime as like the subtitle, like anime like, that made you a fan. <laughs> you yeah. Know, literally yeah, have that be like, the title. For example, my gateway anime was probably Robotech. I watched that way the hell back when, and that's the kind of the first anime that I saw that I said, you knew it what was is anime. I knew it was anime. I said, you know, this is different than other stuff and I want to see more stuff like it. Right, so that's like, I don't count, like, say, even though I saw Voltron before Robotech and some other things, I didn't know they were Japanese animation, so, mm-hmm. you know, even though I saw it, it's not like it made me a specifically anime fan, but yeah, like you, Robotech was what I saw, and I was like, oh, this is a, a Japanese animation. It wasn't the first thing I saw that I knew was Japanese oh. animation, I guess I probably was a fan slightly before that. I think in the very first episode, I, I told the story of the uh, infamous dub tape of the riding bean dub in area 88 episode one that was the real one and then like maybe robotech was after it all bleeds together at this point you know actually clarissa what is your gateway anime i don't i'm not actually sure well i mean i watched stuff on tv that was anime that had been dubbed over but that i wasn't necessarily super aware or Mm -hmm. i mean i liked the shows but at that point, I didn't really go out and seek out specifically other stuff that was also Japanese. Um, so, yeah, that would be stuff like Robotech, reruns of Speed Racer, Battle of the Planets, stuff like that. But other than that, I mean, really, probably the first one, and I think I mentioned this before, that kind of made me look at other stuff from Japan was Sailor Moon. This is all stuff we have talked about on the show before, but it's been six years. Yeah, I, I guess we don't even have to say, like, we've talked about this before, because I say it all the time, and I realize it's been a long time, and we've probably talked about everything at some point. Like Clarissa and Daryl said, Robotech, Star Blazers was a big one for older fans, Gundam Wing and the whole, like, Toonami, like, lineup. A big one was Cowboy Bebop. People call, like, Ranma a gateway anime. I'm not 100% sure if I agree with that just because Ranma's kind of something that makes people Ranma fans. I do know a lot of people who uh, were hardcore anime fans that were also really big into Ranma 1 half. I think at least one person I know opted to pay me back money that he owed me in Wall Scrolls, two of which were Ranma, so I still have those somewhere Mm. in another house. But um, I guess of the biggest gateway anime, I think the, the biggest ones were right around... The end of the 90s, early 2000s, for two reasons. One, as you said, was the the tsunami factor. That's huge and can't be underestimated. The yeah. other is the advent of DVDs, like really coming out and booming. And that's part of what made Cowboy Bebop particularly so big. Like it came out in the fan subs and everyone saw it then. Then it came out on DVD in America and everyone started to buy it. Then it came out on TV. So you had like three continuous waves. And so the show stayed popular for several years Mm. and maybe about two or three other maybe four other shows were able to have that like repeated crests of popularity introducing new waves of fans in with each successive release and uh what we're about to talk about is one of those and that's part of why it's endured i guess this one is a little bit different because this wasn't on toonami this one was on adult swim with cowboy bebop well yeah cowboy bebop was on adult (laughs) swim as well not toonami that shows of course trigun and it aired about what 2005 or so on the the original adult swim run you're talking about uh, on adult swim yeah the original tv series came out in 1998 which was 
quite a big year for anime in general. Yeah, concurrently I mean, with Cowboy Bebop, more or less. And I yeah. know that the second both of those shows came out in Japan, those were huge at conventions. There were plenty of people talking about them, plenty of people like trading bootlegs and tapes, people in the costumes already were, were overrun with Vasa Stampedes and uh, Nicholas D. Wolfwoods and their giant props from as far back as then. And then when it came out on DVD, it came even bigger than that. It was a series of years before it was on Adult Swim where it was a big deal in American fans. I guess it was big within anime fandom at that time. I mean, I didn't actually know about Cowboy Bebop until it came to VHS, which was like 99 or so. Well, yeah, that's what um, I'm talking about. It's a year. Yeah, that was when Anime Village was around, and they were putting stuff out pretty quickly. Nobody watched on VHS. Like, seriously, I'm not even kidding. Nobody watched it on VHS. It was on DVD that the market got going. I'm not going to be reviewing the TV series. I don't know. Maybe we can review the TV series separately at some point. But uh, what I'm going to be specifically talking about is the movie. Badlands Rumble the movie came out, and like I said, this is possibly the best anime movie to come out in 2003. The only problem I can really, you know, state up front with the Trigun's Badlands Rumble movie is that it came out in 2010. This is a little bit unfortunate, because if you look around today at conventions, there aren't exactly a lot of Vash the Stampedes, and there aren't a lot of very big and open Trigun fans. The Trigun sort of thing kind of fizzled out like 2006 or so. Which something. is a hell of a run when you consider that it started in like 98. That's like yeah. eight years of people being crazy about Trigun to say nothing of like the Dark Horse manga release of Trigun. That's for all I know. Very up and down. I don't know. People seem to hate that and love it. I don't know. Uh, Trigun Maximum people seem to like. It's a bit unfortunate. It would have been a much bigger thing if this movie had come out right around 2003 or so. But, you know, does bad timing make it a bad movie? Certainly not. It's always a good idea to just assume that there's a good percentage of people who don't know what Trigun is. So, what Trigun is, it is part of the terribly clogged sci-fi fantasy western anime genre. Tons and tons of those shows out. Yeah, the Western didn't die, it just moved out into <laughs> space, because space is the final frontier, as Mr. Shatner calmly informs us. I joke, because it, it is a show that is kind of unlike a lot of other anime, certainly in its setting. Right. Um, I would describe the setting as kind of like a Mobius comic strip, but if it were done anime manga style. Mm. Fewer penises? Like, a fewer penises, maybe. <laughs> fewer, like, dick monsters, things like that. But Mobius, who sadly just died, just uh, as we record this, he died like three days ago or something. Very sad. But, uh, like, his, a lot of his art has got these very long, like, barren landscapes. Mm -hmm. A lot of um, Western, by Western influence, I mean, like, Western movies. Desert um, scenes, like, yeah. Yes, exactly. I guess Western movies still doesn't do a good job of describing it. The Old West. Yes, Old West sort of stuff. And the main character is the incredibly iconic Vash the Stampede. Super tall, very imposing looking fellow, and always dressed in one of the most iconic suits that you'll ever see in anime. A very long red bodysuit. It's a, a duster, yeah. It's a long yeah. coat with fancy buttons. He's got the shades, the spiked hairdo, and of mm -hmm. course, the gigantic gun. Yes, and it's, it's one of those shows where even before you ever watched the show, 
if you just saw a picture of this character, you'd immediately think this has got to be the coolest show ever made. I know that those were my feelings when I first yeah. saw like images of the show. Spawned, of course, a billion cosplayers. A billion cosplayers. <laughs> Even I was looking at doing this back then, and then I saw like how much one of those coats was. It was $800. Yep. Yep. Cosplayers need a lot of money and time. But um, Vash, the character, is actually a pretty ridiculous character. Most of Trigun, the anime at least, is a comedy. And along the way, Vash himself is accompanied by characters like Millie Thompson and Meryl Strife, who are insurance adjusters. There's also a gigantic bounty on Vash's head, mainly because of the amount of destruction that he kind of leaves behind him, but not necessarily because of him. Sort He's of kind a of dirty like, pair, a, yes. a combination, right. Kay and Yuri in one. <laughs> Yes. Well, Dirty Pair, they are far more responsible for that destruction. <laughs> they just yeah. they just absolve themselves through denial, whereas Vash sort of just happens to be present around it, if not the direct cause, perhaps a catalyst right. of. Right. And, right. Uh, yeah, it doesn't help that so many people are after the bounty that even if he doesn't initially get mixed up innocently in something that's going on, somebody is going to quickly try and kill him. And I guess yeah. since he's wearing the really bright red duster, everyone sees him and assumes that <laughs> yeah, he, he must be responsible for it. You'd think if there were that much money out on your head, you'd want to be a little more inconspicuous, but no, well, apparently actually, not. That's that's part of the, the kind of the joke of the series that right, constantly goes right. on, is that in this world, it's kind of famous that there's this bounty on his head, and I believe it was a hundred million double dollars. Sixty billion double dollars. Sixty billion, Sixty yeah. billion double dollars. Okay, I got that wrong. Double dollars is, you know, the made-up currency, because it's another planet, the planet Gunsmoke. Yes. <laughs> another Western yeah. reference. And you'd think people would be all over him on this, but he's, he's such kind of this jokey, jovial, silly guy... That no right, one believes. Basically, yeah. yeah, I mean, basically, people hear all of these horror stories about Vash the Stampede. They call him the humanoid typhoon. And he's almost like this boogeyman figure. And so when the real Vash shows up and acts like a complete dork, people are like, oh, he couldn't possibly be Vash the Stampede. Every once in a while, you'll have a scene where he'll like, announce that he's Vash the Stampede and people basically laugh at his face. Like, if anybody's seen, like, The Usual Suspects and Kaiser Sose, kind of sort of like that. Except like, as a almost, joke. As a, except right? as a joke. Like, in, that was a drama. Like, he was almost this mythical character. Now, Badlands Rumble takes a cue from other, other movies like Cowboy Bebop, Knocking on Heaven's Door, in that the movie itself is set during the continuity of the show. I believe it's set between two specific episodes, but it's set late enough in the series so that all the characters that you would expect to be there are there, but it's still early enough so that the big dramatic elements of the show don't kick in just yet. Right. They kind of had a problem there because um, the key like element that there was a popular character that they wanted to include. I'm not sure if we should say who it Probably is. Probably no need Earthy. to. I mean, it's more just the, but, the manga um, plot is actually completely divergent almost from yes. the anime plot. And this is a common yeah. thing that would happen. And maybe that might explain some other elements of, of the Trigon TV show that uh, right. we'll right. talk about later. But yeah, that was so why. similar to Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, this presents a problem if you're planning on expanding because where do you expand? It gives to? you kind of a yeah, yeah, limited window for fan service purposes. I mean, I guess as long as you don't do anything super permanent in any of the movies that you make, you can kind of make unlimited movies set in the same continuity. But sure. um, yeah, in this respect, Badlands Rumble 
is kind of perfect. The show itself was written by one of the co-writers was actually Yasuhiro Naito, who was the creator of the manga. And it was directed by Satoshi Nishimura, who was also the director of the original TV series. And he also was the director of Hajime no Ippo. Very good director. Yeah, a lot of Ippo's staff shares staff with Trigon. And I guess mm-hmm. that might have influenced why Ippo got licensed. Unfortunately, advertising shows to people based on shared creative staff doesn't really go over very well when the genre is completely different. What, you don't mean when CPM said from the character designer of City Hunter that they actually put on their boxes that wasn't a selling point? Apparently not. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> They're not here anymore. But you can see the effort, what they were trying to do. They were sort of trying to educate people and elevate creators and authors to some higher level. Unfortunately, fans just wouldn't take it. No. Uh, I'm, but I'm I mean, I will say... For someone, I'm still waiting for someone to say, you know, with Vic Mignogna, like, on the front of the box or something. <laughs> sure, it's already happened somewhere. But sure. I will say that the music for the original Trigon TV, there was sort of a following... Very popular. As far as, you know, the guy who did the music for that, did the music for this, who became the guitarist for Yoko Kano's band, who did the music for Cowboy Bebop, and so on and so forth. So maybe the music people sort of caught that vibe but a lot of people didn't that's i think that might even be another connection between this and helsing there are people who are like anime music fans like i think that's kind of a bigger fan but it's almost its own thing more so than like character designer fans or director fans and it's unfortunate because we need to you know give credit to these original creators once in a while i mean i guess back to the movie like if you're a fan of trigun the show it basically has Pretty much everything that you would want to see in a movie. It's got the original voice actors. From 1998, they brought those people back, like Hiromi Tsuru, who was basically retired, who played, I believe she played uh, Meryl totally Strife. Yep. Meryl. And Sho Hayami, who played Wolfwood, is there, still, doing mm-hmm. his thing at his, like, 80 years old or almost or whatever. But they're all there. And because the a lot of the creative staff is the same... It feels like a movie. It doesn't feel like, I guess the best thing I can compare it to is it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a Star Trek The Next Generation movie, which basically feels like a two-part episode of the TV series. Right. That's an enduring problem I've seen with a lot of anime movies, not just anime movies based on TV shows, but anime movies that are supposedly standalone things. They feel like they're longer episodes of TV show episodes. Um, yes. And I, I don't know if maybe that's just an issue of, you know, the writers and staff creative wise just aren't used to making films compared to making TV shows. I mean, most anime that gets made is TV. And so now mm-hmm. when it's like, oh, now you have an hour and a half and they're like, oh, OK, great. Now we can Let's make do the exact same thing we do and just spread it out or something. Yeah, like what could easily be told in 30 minutes is now going to take four times that much. Hmm. Have you guys seen the the One Piece movies? Oh yeah, I watch the One Piece movies all the time. I like are, the One are, Piece movies they, a lot. They're not like that, are they? No, the One Piece movies are, for one, they're by and large, not all of them, tend to be shorter than a full-length film. I mean, maybe they're like an hour long. Some of the later okay. movies are full-length films, and they're good. I mean, they don't seem like they're you know, a bad movie. I mean, maybe like the closest I can think of that would be like a not very good One Piece movie is one that they kind of did a compilation movie out of a, a mm. TV arc that was like originally incredibly long. And oh, I think I saw that one. It's because Funimation, I guess, decided that that was the one they were going to release here. 
which kind of mystifies me. Yeah, I saw that at a friend's house who is a super gigantic One Piece fan, and uh, since when you're sitting watching this with gigantic One Piece fans, and they just constantly say, "Man, that part here took like ten episodes," and they just did it that quickly. You know, sometimes like that, so. you know the whole compilation movie approach works if you've got a lot of dead air to cut out but if a lot of things right. happen then your compilation movie isn't going to be good and that's why actually most compilation movies aren't that good but no. i actually like the uh the dragon ball 2000 or 97 or whatever that newer one not the dragon ball z the- that was a really good movie because there was a lot of stuff you can cut out of the dragon ball anime series and it just covers like hmm. the, the good stuff I don't think I've seen that, that one. one. Uh, we it, watched it at anime. It nights. did get released um, uh, by Funimation in a three pack and like a thin pack. It's definitely worth it. I liked it quite a bit. And yeah, yeah Dragon Ball nice is a perfect example yeah. of something that you can cut out quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's so much filler. I mean, yeah. they made Kai based on that very premise. But Trigon, you know, the movie for Trigon, I don't think falls subject to that. Definitely not a compilation movie. It is its own story. Quick summary of it it, it opens with a bank robbery committed by a rather imposing fellow named Gasback, which, um, you know... And like so many of whatever. the Yasuhiro Naitao villains, uh, if you look at enough of them, you start to see some recurring trends in his approach to villain design. Yeah. Yes. Gigantic with usually, like, steam or wires or some stuff coming off of them. Silly hat. Silly hat, mm-hmm. yes. Gasback is attempting to rob this bank, and he is foiled kind of accidentally by Vash. He is then turned on by some of his accomplices. And we jump ahead... 20 years. This is uh, significant more so if you have seen the TV series, that there's this gigantic jump in time. Uh, I guess something that's just thrown in there for the people who know what they're looking at. And uh, we rejoin Vash on his way out to this uh, sort of remote town that is uh, basically run by one of the accomplices under an assumed name. This accomplice is not doing a very good job of keeping undercover, because the two characters that we're familiar with, Millie and Merrill, are there to attempt to revalue or reassess the value of a gigantic statue that he made in his likeness in this town. Right, like, I'm going to go into hiding, but I'm not really going to significantly change anything about the way I look or conduct myself, and in fact, I'm actually going to build a giant statue letting everybody know that I'm right here. (laughs) Yes. I wasn't entirely sure if the idea was that they were actually in hiding for the entire 20 years, or if Gasback had only just recently, like, gone after them because of some of that stuff. And I mean, it was only right before the movie started that Gasback went after and attacked the first guy. Yes, that's... Yeah, because the one guy had a casino that was destroyed. It's unclear. It's unclear whether it's been a continuous hiding or if it's just more recent. I'm assuming that they've been... But still, if you screw over somebody that that badass... Yes. You probably (laughs) do want to keep a low profile. Seriously. But uh, anyway, Vash is... uh, on his way there, because, you know, there's there's rumors about this fellow, along the way, he meets this female bounty hunter named Amelia. Who's who basically is... like how all these movies operate when you can't really advance your story, your characters, like, because it'll screw up your main series timeline. You basically yeah. introduce a, a new set of characters that you can have the movie be about. Yes, and you can have significant things happen to them and not about the main characters. And I like Amelia. She's, she's interesting. She's allergic to men. Well, she says she's allergic to idiots, but I'll just keep it at that she's allergic to men. Like, she breaks out in spots and all that. To be fair, all the men in Trigon are idiots. Pretty much. (laughs) 
And, you know, this is kind of where we start. This gas back guy's out for something in this town, and Vash is out there, you know, to get in the way. Now, I've watched about 90% of Trigun, the TV series. So I should lay you it out You do own all of it, not... though, right? No, I don't. I don't own the last disc. I'm not a big fan of the show, actually. And I'm not going to review the show, but I'll keep it to a minimum and say that I think that the show was a pretty good comedy, but a really bad drama. When the show got serious, that's when it lost me, and I think that's when it just got trite. Mm. It's that last third of the show that I'm not a fan of at all, and it's kind of brought the whole show down for now, me. Now, that is also but... your opinion of Cowboy Bebop, isn't it? I can't remember, because it's been a long time. No. No, I like Cowboy Bebop more. I, re but... I remember you saying you didn't like Cowboy Bebop. I like it more. Okay, but you don't, but, um, like, you wouldn't say you like it, you just like it more than Trigon. I don't know, I'd have to, I haven't seen Cowboy Bebop in a long time. I, I think I was just trying to pin down like for reference because the reason I bring it up is because both are examples of shows that have silly comedy episodes and lighthearted things and then over time become more serious. Mm. And there are some right. shows that can do that and other shows that fail at doing it. And mm -hmm. so I'm just trying to get like a baseline of like what's an example of shows that do it right and maybe why does Trigon lose his interest compared to, to other ones. Gotcha. I, I think yeah. that the thing with Trigun is that they didn't integrate the drama very well. Like, the drama side of it could be its own show. And mm. the the drama side of, I'll give Cowboy, you that. of Cowboy Bebop was much more integrated into the show. They would have, like, the episodes with Vicious dispersed throughout the show, while they would have the drama parts just kind of chucked in a bit here, and then they throw in a bit more, and then the, the next episode previews, for some weird reason, were always really serious and dire, while the episode itself would be You're talking about Trigun. Trigun. I'm talking about Trigun, yes. Now, laying that out there, I really like the Trigun movie. I think that the Trigun movie, what it's trying to... Even, you know, it sounds like I'm qualifying when I say what it's trying to do, but as a person who is not a fan of the TV series, I think the Trigun movie is actually really good. I think it's worth mentioning that the art in this movie as well. The standards have been set pretty high by Redline, but I have to give this movie some real credit. The amount of design work that went into this movie is kind of incredible. Like, mm. every single person in the background isn't just, like, a variation of a design, but is a completely different design. Yeah, I think with the movie, you know, in the TV series, they didn't really have the budget to pull that off quite so well. But now, in the movie, when they have a larger budget, you can really see that. Virtually every scene in this movie has got a crowd of people in it, because it's just like this crowded, crappy town that they're in. Yeah, I mean, there's basically, like, a big event happening mm -hmm. in the area, so... That's kind of part of the thing is that there's tons and tons of bounty hunters who are yes. all like coming to this location. So it's like a, almost a big, like rowdy convention type of thing. So there's tons and tons of people there, um, drinking and hanging out and doing whatever. And because of the nature of the world, everybody has their own completely different look, a completely different weaponry, things like that, especially scenes like in the bar. This stands out really well, and along those lines, the animation is very, very good. Again, Redline has set such a high standard for this. And this is made by the same the, studio. Yes, it is. Both made by Madhouse. The animation in the Trigun TV series was great for one episode. 
And if you go back and watch that show again, you will see that that was the only episode. In fact, it was mostly the beginning of that episode that looked really good. The rest of that show did not look good at all. And it hurt a lot because there was so much intricate design work and so much action in that sh- And mm-hmm. at times, action in that show. And when you have really bad animation, action uh, suffers the most. If it's just people sitting around and talking, then bad animation not necessarily nearly as damaging. But either way, the animation in the movie, there is a lot of movement going on just by the characters, and it's it's not even like movement that, you know, necessary. Just characters doing things in the background. The type of animation that I wish I would see more of. Just layers and layers of things going on in it. And also, it's kind of nice that they try to keep some of the 3D animation to a minimum. One of the worst things that anime does is combine 3d and 2d animation they just cannot do it and they've been doing it for like well <laughs> since golgo 13 i think it's because and... they try to apply the same tezuka like limited animation techniques to cg when it's unnecessary like let's say when you do animation you can repeat the same frame like two or three times uh, and still simulate movement that way you only have to draw a limited amount of frames per second since CG, it interpolates the frames. They're like, oh, we'll just cut the frames so that it moves yeah. the same way. No, it just looks bad. You know, it it wouldn't look as bad if everything were done like that, but it's not. And so there's, you know, some vehicles and certain large objects, and, you know, all mechanical stuff that is all done in CG that doesn't look nearly as good, but it's not as bad as I've seen it in the past. Like, it's better, but I do wish that we would see more... 2D mechanical animation going on. As we've said before, it it cannot permanently do anything to the characters, but it just does enough that I find it to be very, very satisfying. Everybody wanted to see, you know, Vash and Wolfwood together, and they were there and being buddies, or being gay, depending on if you, you know, (laughs) what your definition of it was, because... They were on camera, you know, simultaneously once. Yes, and, you know, I think that, you know... (laughs) One saved the life of another, which by definition makes them gay. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) I classify uh, it as awesome gay as opposed to internet gay. I don't know if it goes as far as awesome gay. Amelia is kind of the character, like, she's the type of character that I wouldn't have minded seeing more of in the TV series. If she were a recurring character in the TV series, I'd be totally fine with it. That's another bonus, because sometimes the characters they introduce are just kind of fodder for horrible drama the joke i always make with these movies is the obligatory girl character that they introduce is always voiced by maya sakamoto trigon badlands rumble obeys that rule i'm pretty sure I, i'm I, I haven't looked at the page but i'm almost 100 percent certain I, I actually um did a, a feature on this uh, for otaku usa if you, if you look on the back of the box it actually has a quote by me on it if you buy it but yeah i Pretty sure I made that. One of the joke. reasons why you're not doing this review. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I made I made the, the observation there. But yeah, I mean, uh, has anyone noticed that this is Maya Sakamoto's lot in life at this point to be the girl who's only there for that movie? Well, is it because she's like a singer, so she's expensive enough that they can get her for a movie, but for they can get her for one movie, but not a TV series? Not since Maybe? Escaflone. I- I can't say I really noticed just because she is one of those people that I can't necessarily pick her voice. Well, I can't out pick out any well. female voice actor. So yeah, so I don't necessarily notice like, oh, that's Maya Sakamoto. I can so. pick out two. I can pick out Hiromi Tsuru and I can pick out Kikuko Inoue, who I believe was Amelia's mother. And her lot in life is to play Bell Dandy and Mothers. Um <laughs> 
I really surprisingly don't actually have a lot of negative things to say about Badlands Rumble. Like, I've watched the movie three times now. I will not necessarily watch a movie multiple times that I dislike. It just makes me upset that it, they couldn't have seen, like, this enormous fan base in America and gotten this movie out a lot sooner and then, you know, carried on with that. Because I think it's a bit too late. Like, Trigun is probably never going to run on TV again. And so the, the fandom there is basically gone. The anime boom there is gone. But I'm, I'm only feeling that way because I think this movie is good enough that could have even possibly brought in a couple of outside people, not necessarily as a big gateway anime, but um, mm. enough people that it's a surprisingly accessible show or movie, I should say. Yeah, I think it's a little unfortunate. I mean, people that I, I've heard from that have seen the movie seem to like it, but I think... You know, if it had been made closer to when Trigun was, you know, really big over here, I think it would be much more successful. I mean, I don't know how it's selling. Maybe it's doing just fine, but I think it would have had a much better chance out the gate. I think the reason yeah. why probably ties back to what we were talking about in the last episode when we reviewed Sword for Truth and the way that the licensing deals are set up such that if things are unpopular in Japan, but popular in America. Japan doesn't really see that money. And that's yeah. what Trigon was. Trigon kind of died on the vine in Japan, and no one really cared about it that much. And it was incredibly right. popular here. So even though Japan could look... Again, similar to Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I mean, Cowboy Bebop... But, Cow but the movie for Cowboy Bebop came out almost at the perfect right. time. Again, Cowboy Bebop was at least somewhat popular in Japan, and then once it was over, it was forgotten about. Trigon, yeah. because it's set in an American Western setting and all the text is in English and everyone's got distinctly non-Japanese names, uh, there's not a lot of Japanese cultural stuff in it. Japan was like, what the hell is this? We don't really care. rest of the world was like, holy crap, this is great. And so even though they were aware of that, they were like, okay, great, you guys like it. Why should we make another movie <laughs> if the money's not going to be there for us? And sure enough, when even after all the years it took between the original Trigon and this movie, uh, nobody saw that movie in Japan because <laughs> it's like, it's Trigon. Yeah, it so was what? number 14. It opened number 14 in Japan. I mean, I guess it works differently in Japan because, I mean, I guess these things open on like two or three screens and go around for a couple of weeks and then sell for $90 on DVD. But, I want to um, say that's yeah, another it, it, one like Redline and, you know, some, some other things like that where it actually premiered in America before it was out in Japan. I could be totally wrong about that. No, you're right. It it appear, it premiered, I think, at Sakura Con. Oh, that's right. Like, I heard the stories about people. It's like, oh, yeah, they premiered it and then they... It was unsubtitled, Yeah, and they didn't right? subtitle it, it. And it was like an MKV or an AV. Yeah, it was like some sort of... I think show. it was like WMV or something like really yeah. sketchy. <laughs> So no one did reviews of it, or at least no legitimate press did reviews of it back then. But yeah, it, it premiered first in America because they knew what they were going for. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those weird situations. We've been seeing a lot of that, like revivals of things that were popular, but they never really bothered to do more. I mean, Berserk, too. And I thought Berserk was reasonably popular in Japan, um, at least the manga. But look how long it's taken them to do anything else animated with that and i think now even all they're doing is just doing a movie version covering the same, the same exact portion that we already saw that was covered by the tv like, series cover the part <sighs> that the playstation 2 game covered but I, I think the revival efforts are fueled entirely by pachinko machines whether it's evangelion Probably or fist so. of the north star or saint Seiya or all these other things that are coming back it's 100 percent so they can sell more themed pachinko machines 
And I'm not even laughing at that because y you're not inaccurate. That's yeah. like that's pachinko is such an enormous part of the economy, like the Japanese economy. Oh, I mean, I think that makes sense because I'm thinking also about the fact that I think that ties in with what we see with the Super Robot shows, too, where basically now you have that nostalgia market, right? So the people who watch these shows when they were kids or when they were, you know, young teenagers are now old enough that they can play pachinko and that they can afford to pay for several hundred dollar metal robot figures. And so now you start seeing all of these uh, revivals and sequels coming out to take advantage of all of their sweet, sweet, hopefully salaryman monies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see some more original Dirty Pair, because there were some Dirty Pair pachinko machines that came out. Oh, and maybe so. That would be pretty cool. And uh, the well, um, there is a new manga, and there is a new manga which is does oh, not. Oh yeah, look, yeah, that weird looking one. The one with where they've got gigantic tits, as opposed um, yeah. to Dirty Pair Flash, where they had gigantic tits. Gigantic tits. <laughs> yes. And these pachinko machines, they have like almost like what five minutes or seven minutes of animation that's done for that machine only. And it's really usually, nice animation. Yes, yeah, super high quality animation because those pachinko machines companies have money. They have right. got real well, freaking money, so they can and get they're like. They're also animating a few minutes. When yeah. you're only animating a few minutes of footage, you can put a lot more yeah. detail I mean, and time into it. I mean, those pachinko machine presidents just they grab what you know what they would normally wipe their ass with and give it to an anime company to produce you know some of the best animation <laughs> and, that they can ever produce, and this is what keeps them going. The yakuza so, runs yes. the economy. <laughs> Economy of Japan is run on, on gambling and vice, and as long as they tell themselves it's not gambling, it's pachinko, everyone feels good about themselves. Wait, I thought the pachinko parlors were all owned by Koreans. I, I can't keep track oh. anymore of who <laughs> has the stranglehold on the various vices. I know, like, the Nigerians are coming in and taking over host clubs and stuff, but, you know, that's a Jake Edelstein question more than an AWO question. <laughs> But yeah. Yeah, as far as Trigon, I mean, I can understand why so long on every year when the Japanese guests would come to America and someone say, hey, is there going to be another Trigon? They'd be like, oh, well, we'll think about it. Now, I'm pretty sure that I heard about this Trigon movie like at least five years ago because I, um, I went to a Madhouse panel at Otakon when I went alone. And I think that was like 2005 or something. And every Madhouse panel... It's always asked, you know, when is there more Trigun? And they say, we're working on the Trigun movie now. We're working on it. And so mm. this was just like a very slow project because I guess they just knew that it would be something that they would make like no money in Amer in Japan for and everything right. had to come from those licensing costs. Was any of it funded by American companies? Because I've been kind of surprised that we haven't seen more American companies funding stuff that was popular here, but not a big priority in Japan, like we got the Big O Season 2 funded by Cartoon Network. I think because Big O Season 2 was not successful, everyone else got mm. scared from that point on. Oh. Yeah, maybe so. I'm trying to think of like the things that were funded by American companies that ended up being like big successes like i know that I, I didn't think that the ninja scroll tv series was a very big success well that isn't was, that also terrible it's notoriously well, it terrible yeah that's it, yeah. besides the point usually for these yeah. things 
It was distributed by a company named well, Clockworks. I, I guess um, I mean, like, didn't it not, like, have the things that people like? Oh, absolutely. About no, it didn't. Yes, it didn't. But I mean, you yeah, could shit in a box any, and write Ninja like, Scroll on it, and you'd think that people would at least buy the first disc a whole lot, because it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was produced by Clockworks, Flying Dog, Madhouse, and Shonen Gahosha. That's good so, pronunciation. That's I, close enough. I don't, yeah, know what, I don't know what you're but, reading. Uh, so. It's a Shonen Gahosha. Shonen Gahosha. So no American companies, which is interesting. I mean, I guess it's just interesting that this even got made. But I'm, I'm glad it did. It Indeed. Deserved, yeah, it deserved to be made. It's exactly what Trigun fans should have gotten about five years ago. Is it out on Oh, it came out on Blu-ray simultaneously with the DVD release. Okay. Yeah. And this is one to watch and, on uh, Blu-ray, very much like how Redline is looks... when you watch on Blu-ray, because totally has the detail for it. Yep, totally. Looks looks really beautiful. Is something that you can watch multiple times, and it's not overbearing. It is in about 90 minutes long. It's not, you know, like that awful movie that we saw, uh, Welcome to the Space Show. Still not licensed still, here. Still not licensed anywhere, because this friggin' thing is two and a half well, hours. you know, little kids love two and a half hour movies, Gerald. Make movies for yeah, small seriously. children that are two and a half hours long. Yeah, God. In which what an hour of that movie can be cut out uh, with negligible impact on the actual story of the of the movie. The impact would be positive. When I say negligible <laughs> impact, I mean like, you know, you could cut it out and nobody would notice it was gone. Yeah, you're right. Nothing would be hurt by it at all. It it's, doesn't overstay its welcome. It's just, you know, the right length for what it should be. It looks, it's exactly what everyone wants from it. It's, yeah, like like we said with Ninja Scroll TV series. People wanted another Ninja Scroll movie where there was going to be like eight rape scenes and a guy was going to get his head cut in half and, you know, his intestines were going to choke him and stuff like that. And then that. they were going to rape like each half of the head. Yes, each half of the head gets raped. Ninja None Scroll of that in was, the TV was much more murderous and cannibalistic than, than heavy on the rape. <laughs> I mean, there was one solid non-com, as the fanfickers call it. No, there were, well, there were at least two. And I don't know if that one concubine gave full consent or not, so there might be three. Yeah, this is definitely one, like, I recommend picking this one up, actually. I don't know if this is like, if someone says, I want to watch what this Trigun thing is, would you show them this movie first? Or there's just too much going on there, you think? Maybe? I'm there... trying to figure out if it would matter too much that they don't know who the characters are already. Yeah, because that is the mm. thing with I all mean... these sorts of movies, these uh, films based off of TV shows, is that there's typically little to yeah. no exposition because it's assumed that you have familiarity with the cast and the general situation. Yeah, that's very I true. Mean, because granted, the... nothing really is happening that requires knowledge about elements of the character's backstory or things like that. And I guess you could sort of figure things out from context, like, okay, fine. You can figure out from the movie that, you know, Vash is wanted and all of this stuff. So, I don't know. I maybe? think the big iffy element would be, why did 20 years pass and why does he look exactly the same? Mm. And that's something that you only would know if you watch the TV series. Yeah. And also, characters are introduced in ways that only people who watch the TV series would know. Like, the very first, like, indication that Vash is there is a crumpled up, crushed donut. Oh, right. And that's the first thing that you say, oh, wait, what's this? And then the first time you see Wolfwood, again, you don't see Wolfwood, you just see the top horizontal bar, like the edges of his crucifix. Uh. You don't actually see him. So yeah, probably not the best thing to start Trigon on, but 
is still an excellent movie to watch along with Trigun. Maybe stop around, I don't know, episode 20 or so and then watch the movie and just call it quits. (laughs) But yeah, the whole show is sold in a compiled set. Back then, it probably made some sense because you had to buy each DVD individually and Trigun was one of those three episodes a disc kind of shows mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, that's, I, I, stopped, I stopped buying it because I think I got like the last two discs together and the story just was getting depressing in a bad way and I didn't feel like spending the extra money because back then the discs were expensive. And the box set for that thing was like $200. Yeah. Yeah, the box set, there was no discount. It was just here, buy all the discs simultaneously, 30 times 8, or whatever it was. I was going to say you could never do that again today, but... But they're doing it again today. They're doing it again today. And uh, I guess it's working for Anaplex, and screw them, whatever. But um, (laughs) anyway, yeah, Trigon Badlands Rumble, I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did. Because like I said, I wasn't a fan of Trigon, but it takes the very best parts of that show and puts them all into one movie, just how it should have been. Kind of like how I wish more anime would do. I guess, uh, any last thoughts, guys? Uh, I guess, um, for my full thoughts in detail, please uh, read the uh, Otaku USA issue with Trigon uh, Band Lads Revel on the cover. It's more or less uh, similar to you know what we talked about here. My main issue with, with Trigon TV wasn't the shift in tone so much as the unevenness of um, kind of everything. Um, but yeah, without, without Trigon, there would be certainly no Helsing. TV show for that is also tremendously uneven. They mm, both, that's a nice way yeah, of putting it. They both ran in, uh, you know, the same manga anthology even. They were like, hey, let's get something else with a guy in a weird coat and a funny hat and a big gun. And they're like, I can do that. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's kind of interesting that you can just sort of be there and see how the, Hands down, like, most popular thing once upon a time is now, like, gradually fading away into non-existence, such that a lot of people just don't even know about Trigun anymore. Yeah, you usually will see maybe one Trigun cosplayer at a large convention now. I mean, I know cosplay is not usually the best way of judging the popularity of a show, but... Uh, sometimes it can be, you know, a it's an okay barometer perhaps. of the mania yeah. towards a show, perhaps. Yeah, and I mean, you you used to be able to see like, you know, Wolfwoods, and there was that Jewish Wolfwood guy who was went around with a cross of with the Star of David. Yeah, it was a pretty hellish so. time to walk in a hallway at a convention during the days yeah. <laughs> of the the Trigon costumers, because that was one where each progressive character was like, who can have the larger prop. It it is interesting to see because you know it's, it was this big big show. In fact, we know one of the best Trigun cosplayers in America is uh, getting married in like a few days. Not in as costume. Recording. Not possibly. <laughs> no. He with should have a, a giant have. Uh, horse head on his head, but uh, possibly we'll see. Yes. Yeah, we will see. If so, he won't be getting married. I think he'll be getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I told him he should just wear that horse head and just walk down the aisle to absolute silence. And just look at people in the hallway. But he didn't think it was a good idea. Neither did his wife-to-be. But maybe that's why I'm not getting getting married myself. Um, Gee, I wonder. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Trigon, Badlands, Rumble. Yep, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. You should watch it. You should watch it. It's worth a shot, even if you didn't like the TV series. So I hope that that added some force to that. So yeah, definitely check it out. Worth, uh, Worth every minute.